you know, every time I've come here, I always start with a question, and I ask the same question every time. I wonder if any of you can tell me what is the question I ask every time I'm here before I do anything else. Boy, I've come back not a moment too soon, haven't I? This is, my question is this, how many happy people do I have here? Wave your hand like this if you're happy. Some of you aren't waving, so I don't know if that literally means you're not happy or you're just out of the will of God. If you're happy, wave like this. Wave like your goofy cousin would. Come on. There you go. Uh, how many of you got something to be happy about? You know, it, it, whenever, anybody here ever feel sorry for yourself and pout? Come on, don't lie and compound it. How many of you ever do that? Uh, whenever I start to feel sorry for myself, I just remind myself, I'm glad I didn't get what I deserve. That could be your mantra. I'm glad I didn't get what I deserve. Because that's the grace and mercy. That's why I figure you're here, is you want to learn more about this whole God thing, this whole Jesus thing, this whole idea that you can get better than what you deserve, that you can walk in healing, that you can walk in blessings, even though maybe throughout your life you've made mistakes. How many of you know they've been telling us because of this COVID thing we need to cancel stuff? They wanted to cancel Thanksgiving. Then they wanted to cancel Christmas. How many of you know you can't cancel the love of God? You can't cancel forgiveness. You can't cancel mercy. You can't cancel love. Come on, y'all. And so that's why it thrills me to see you here this morning because I figure you realize that. You wouldn't have come if you thought all that stuff's been canceled. But you know, the love of God, it remains the same every day. Our cities have been on fire over this year. How many of you know the love of God hadn't changed? We've had people in this ditch hollering at everybody in the other ditch telling them, y'all are doing it wrong. Calling each other names. How many of you know about every 20 years they all switch ditches? But in spite of all of that, the love of God hasn't changed. Look at somebody and tell them, say, the love of God hadn't changed. Some of you didn't look at anybody, you're still looking at me in shock. Get over it and look at somebody and tell them, say, the love of God hadn't changed. Look at them now and say, the love of God will never change. The love of God will never change. And that's something for us to come in here and celebrate. And so that's what I want to do today. My name's Kim Clout. I have the wonderful privilege of being here. Your pastor gives me the incredible opportunity to come here and minister many times when he's out of the pulpit. I know how much he loves you. I know how much he protects you and protects his pulpit. So the fact that he allows me to come as frequently as he does is as good as it gets for somebody like me. Uh, anybody here who's never heard me? Raise your hand if you've never heard me. Okay, just a couple of you. Uh, just real quickly to show you how highly I esteem you, I'll tell you a little bit about myself. I grew up in church. How many of you here did? I grew up in church. My dad was a preacher. 63 years he ministered. My grandfather was a preacher. 78 years he preached. I've been doing it now 42 years. And how many of you know every day? Say every day. Every day I learn stuff new. Every day, you know, the Bible tells us that in heaven, all of the angelic beings are surrounding the Lord, and they constantly, throughout eternity, are saying, holy is the Lord. Holy is the Lord. And I'm thinking, I asked the Lord one time, I said, how is it, how many of you know, you would think maybe they get tired. They get winded. Can we just take a break here? Can we take about 10 minutes, you know? Holy is the Lord, holy is the Lord. And I said, how is it that they can constantly have such enthusiasm to say, holy is the Lord? And the Lord spoke to me, and he said, every time, Every moment I reveal something about myself they've never seen before. Holy is the Lord. And so that's the way it is for me. Every day I learn new things about him. I've been serving him all these years. I've been teaching about him all these years. But every day I learn something new about the love of God. And today I want to share some things with you. My heart, my desire is I want to make a difference in your life. I want to say something this morning and make a deposit in your life that makes next year the best year of your whole life. How many of you know you're planning right now? You're sowing the seed for what 2021 will be. Say this to me. I can speak prophetically. I want you to understand this. Say every time I open my mouth, I'm speaking prophetically. What does speaking prophetically mean? It means you speak about the future now. Say it again. Speak prophetically. Jesus taught about this in Mark chapter 11. If you've got your Bible, you can turn there. We're going to start with verse 22. If you don't, I believe they're going to put it up on the screen for us. Mark chapter 11, verse 22. This is one of the great truths throughout Scripture. No doubt your pastor's taught on this. 
I may be, and as many times I've been here, I've taught on this before. But I want you to look at Mark chapter 11, verse 22. And it's Jesus speaking. And here's the thing. Many times when Jesus would teach, as you read the New Testament and you read the Gospels, many times Jesus would start a sentence. And the King James is rendered this way. Verily I say unto thee. How many of you have seen that before? Verily I say unto thee. Uh, if you look at the NIV, it translates this way. I'm telling the truth. If you look, Jesus frequently would begin his teaching with, verily I say unto thee, or essentially, now what I'm getting ready to say is the truth. Which is remarkable when you think about the fact that he's the only person to ever walked the earth that didn't have to say, I'm telling the truth. I, I know a guy in my life, he used to be one of my closest friends. If he ever said to me, I'm telling the truth, I knew immediately that's a lie. Some of you know somebody, you know the saying, you know, if your mouth's moving, you know, you're lying. Jesus started a sentence many times teaching, saying, I'm telling you the truth. Because he knew what he was going to say was so radical to their religiosity. How many of you know today, the word of God still seems radical to many people? And so what you got to look here is what he says in this verse. He says, have faith in God. Now, the real answer he's saying here is, have the God kind of faith. How many of you understand you have the God kind of faith? Say that over here. Everybody in this section say, I have the God kind of faith. Let me hear the middle section. Let me hear that section. Let me hear everybody. You do. So you're wondering, well, is that a choice? Did I choose to have the God kind of faith? No. The Bible says he gave unto every man the measure of faith. So how many of you know if God was passing out faith, how many of you know he didn't go get that from big lots? It wasn't some watered-down, secondary version. God gave you His faith. Say it. I have the God kind of faith. So Jesus said, have the God kind of faith. Look at the next verse, verse 23. He says, truly I tell you. There it is. I'm telling the truth. I'm not lying when I say this. This is going to sound radical, but I'm telling you the truth. If anyone would speak to the mountain and tell it what? Go throw yourself into the sea and didn't doubt in their heart but believe that what they say will happen, it'll be done for them. Now that sounds pretty radical, doesn't it? Speaking to the mountain. How many of you know if you went to work tomorrow and they said, what would you do this weekend? I spoke to my mountains. They'd be calling HR on you. But that's exactly what Jesus said. And this is one of the most profound things he ever said throughout his entire ministry. Let's look further. So he said, if you would just speak to your mountain. Wait a minute. Before we go to the next verse, let me just be sure of the demographic I'm dealing with here. How many of you here have a mountain in your life? Let's be real. Some of us have entire ranges of them. What did Jesus say you should do to that mountain? Speak to it. Did he say climb it? How many of you know that's what your flesh wants to do? I'm going to the top. Give me a flag, I'm going to the top. Many of us have this idea that we're going to conquer our mountains. Some of you have had the same mountain in your life and you've been trying to climb it for 20 years. And all of your jeans have got holes in the knees. They look fashionable, but the reason they got there is because you kept trying to climb that mountain and you kept falling and you feel like a failure. But here's the deal. God never told you to climb your mountain. You're not a failure. You're just doing something he never told you to do. He never told you to climb your mountain. What did he tell you to do? Speak to it. Many of you say, ha, climb a mountain. I would never climb anything I could go around. Some of you here, your entire life has been a feasibility study. Find me a way around. Give me the GPS. There's a way around this, I'm sure. Many of you have avoided conflict. You've avoided your mountains. And you've been going around them. And you've been trying for 20, 30, 40 years to get around the same mountain. Have you made it to the other side? Probably not. But you're not a failure. It's simply that you're not doing what God said to do. You're trying to go around it. He never told you to go around your mouth. What did he tell you to do? Speak to it. Now look at the next verse. He says, therefore I tell you, in other words, considering the fact that you could speak to your mountain, I will further this by saying that whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you've received it and what will happen? Speak prophetically. Jesus says you can speak prophetically you can speak to your mountain and say move 
You can speak to your finances. You can speak to your own body. You can speak to your marriage, to your business. If you're looking to conceive, you can speak to your body. If you're looking to own a home, you can speak to your finances. You can speak prophetically. Amen? Look at the next verse. And I think it's fascinating that he tagged this on at the end. He said, and when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, what should you do? Imagine this. Whoever the person is in your life that's caused you the most problem, they're probably the key to your answered prayer. Imagine that. Your mother-in-law could be the key to victory in your life. What did Jesus say you should do? When you stand praying, whatever it is you're believing God for, your key to receiving that is being a free-flowing act of God's love and forgiveness. Forgive anybody who's done you wrong. How many of you here have had somebody do you wrong? Come on, y'all. Sure you have. Let it go. Let it go. The Apostle Paul said, this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. How many of you know you can't have your, your heart set on what's ahead and what's behind at the same time? How many of you know you can't be a victor and a victim at the same time? How many of you know you got up today and you either have the mindset of a victor or you have the mindset of a victim? Amen? You either came in today with the heart of a victim or a heart of a victor. Let me tell you what you did not come in with, and that's the heart of both. You can't be both. You can't walk in blessings and curses at the same time. Jesus said, you're either for me or you're against me. You're either gathering or you're scattering. Wave your hand and say, I know that's what he said. So every day you make a choice when you speak. You speak prophetically. By the words that you confess, you frame the rest of your life. Right now you're building the foundation with your mouth for what 2021 is going to be. How many of you have ever been around somebody and they say things like, well, what's going to tear up now? If they did a DNA study on them, they'd find they traced their DNA back to Eeyore. Oh, Lord. What's going to tear up now? Every car I get tears up. I don't know why I'm going for this job interview. Y'all know they're not going to hire me. Well, what's going to break now? Well, that figures. I knew it was going to happen. This is why King David said, Put a guard over my mouth, oh Lord. Everybody put your hand up there. Some of you don't, yeah, get your hand up, I'm checking. Everybody have your hand up? Put your hand up. Was he trying to guard what he put in? Remarkably. How many of you know today everybody's trying to guard what they put in? Not only in their mouth, they want to guard what you put in yours. Huh? They're trying to legislate. You're not going to eat that, are you? That has wheat gluten in it. You eat animals? Do you realize when you drink that, that's nothing but poison? Are we going to give an account for everything we've eaten when we get to heaven? I mean, do you really think the Lord's going to look at us and go, Oh, Bob, these cholesterol numbers. Uh, Kim, I'm not even going to touch this body mass index. It's troubling, troubling. We're not going to give an account for everything we put in our mouth. We are, however, going to give an account for everything we let come out of it. To me, that's one of the things. I've been in ministry 42 years. I've got to tell you, to this day, that seems to me a little bit over the top. I've told the Lord before. I even said to him, isn't that a bit extreme? Don't you think that's a little over the top? Isn't that micromanaging? How many of you like to be around somebody that's reminded you of every, anything you've ever said? Aren't they a joy to be around? And to me, that's kind of what it smacks of. If he says, I've got to give an account for every word I've ever said. And so I asked him, how many of you have ever wanted to know something so bad you actually ask God? You know, desperate times, desperate measures, I suppose. And so I said to the Lord, this, this, you know, I, you, I, I want to represent you. I want to teach your word to your people. Man, it's kind of hard for me to get behind this deal. Of, we have to give an account for everything we've ever said. Why would you do that? Here's what he said to me. Everybody look at me. He said, I hold you accountable for every word you speak because you're created in my image. And he said, I hold myself accountable first for every word I've ever spoke. 
That's strong, y'all. Let y'all say, that's good. Come on, y'all. We're in North Carolina. Say it like Andy Griffith. That's good. And so the Lord quickened me. This truth that Jesus taught, that does seem radical, that you could speak to your mountain, that you could speak to your future, that you could frame what the rest of your experience is going to be, that you could do that with your mouth, seems radical, but it, is, it has an, epi, a, 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 a etymology, if you will, in Genesis chapter 1. So if you have your Bible, I want you to go to Genesis chapter 1. When I was here, I think it was about two and a half years ago, I taught on this and I figure, since you didn't know the question I ask every service, I'm not going to feel like this is repetition. Plus, I've learned repetition's the best teacher. Everybody say that. Repetition's the best teacher. So, as we look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, verses 1 and 2 tells us, you know, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And then verse 2 tells us that darkness hovered over the deep. Then in verse 3, something radical happens, something that is the first time in recorded history, which is what? God speaks. God speaks. And what did he say? Let there be light. And what was the consequence? There was light. Now, a couple of things here. Uh, when they were in the praise and worship, by the way, how about that praise and worship team? Come on, they did better than that. You were talking about light, brother. How many of you understand, and perhaps you've been taught that God created light, which isn't untrue, it's just not the whole truth. The whole truth is, he didn't so much have to create it, he just released it. Say every time. Say any time. Say all the time. Say every time, any time, all the time. Every time, any time, all the time that God opens his mouth, light comes out. His mouth is literally the source of light. In fact, so powerful is the light from his mouth that his word is a light. The Bible says his word is a light into my path. His word reveals things about you or about other people to you because his mouth is the source of light. So he said, let there be light. Now here's what I want to draw to your attention and I taught on this when I was here before. You notice that what he said is in quotes. What does it mean when something's in quotes? It's verbatim what he said, and here's the key, out loud. So in other words, this wasn't a thought bubble. Hmm. And God thought telepathically, let there be light. No, he literally said it out loud. Let there be light, and light came forth. Look at verse 6. As you look at verse 6, it begins precisely the same way verse 3 does, which is, and God said. And you'll notice that what he said is in quotes, which tells us what, church? He said it out loud. He said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. He created the sky. Look at verse 9. As you look at verse 9, it begins precisely the same way verse 3 and verse 6 does, which is how? And God said, you'll furthermore notice that what he said is in quotes, which tells us what? He said it out loud. Let the water under the sky be gathered into one place so dry ground might appear. So we've looked now at three verses from the creation story. And all three verses began, and God said. And in each instance, he has said a sentence out loud. When I was here before, and I'll do it again today, I want to ask you a question. I don't want you to answer. I just want you to think. He has said three sentences out loud. Agreed? Who's he talking to? I mean, uh, clearly it's not Adam. He made Adam from dry ground, and he just now made dry ground. Couldn't have been Eve. She came from Adam. So who's he talking to? Meditate on that, and let's look at verse 14. As you look at verse 14, it begins precisely the same way the other verses do, which is how? And God said, you furthermore notice that what he said is in quotes, which tells us what? He said it out loud, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate day from night. So he gives us the sun and the moon. Still talking out loud. And still I ask you, to who is he speaking? Look at verse 20. As you look at verse 20, it begins the same way the other verses do, which is how? Let me ask you, how many of you see the pattern here? And God said... Another quick question here. Why don't all the other verses in Genesis 1 begin and God said? Why did just three 
6, 9, 14, and now 20. We've read five verses that begin, and God said. You ever thought about it? There's an easy yet remarkable answer, and that is each of those verses mark a day of creation. And you don't have creation until God opens his mouth. Let me hear you say it, Andy. It is good. So here's the deal. God is speaking out loud. Well, here's the first thing to understand about saying something out loud. How many of you know God is the authority of all of creation? He's the authority of all eternity. But do you know how authority is exercised and released? Through the mouth. Say that with me. Authority is exercised and released through the mouth. Church, how is authority exercised and released? Ladies in the room, and y'all know this from experience. How is authority exercised and released? Amen. Hey, everybody in the house knows. You go ask your daddy something, he's like, I don't know, son, go ask your mama. Go ask your mama. I'm not touching that. Because everybody knows authority is exercised and released. How? And so God spoke out loud because that's how his authority is exercised and released, through his mouth. That's why he spoke out loud. Now, as to the who he's talking to, in verse 3, he's talking to light. In verse 6, he's talking to the sky. In verse 9, he's talking to dry ground. In verse 14, if you look at each of these verses, he is literally speaking to creation. And guess what creation's doing? Put your hand up here. It's listening and obeying. Say it, Andy. No, no, your line is, that's good, Andy. Say it again, Andy. It is good. Now look at verse 26. Verse 26 I submit to you one of the most important scriptures in the entire Bible. I realize it's not like God has a top 10 list or whatever, but I'm telling you, Genesis 1.26, you ought to have this memorized. You ought to have it highlighted in your Bible. This is one of the pivotal moments throughout all of history. Verse 26 says, Then God said, by the way, this is the sixth time he said, and God said, so what do we know? What day of creation are we on? The sixth day, the final day. It says, then God said, let us make mankind in our image. Now, you can't help but read that and think, that's a little weird. What's a little weird about it? Us. He's speaking in the plural. Here again, how many of you know if you did that at work, people would call HR on you? She's doing it again. She speaks in the plural. Does God have issues? No. I like how some of you are like, does he? No, no, he doesn't. He speaks in the plural because he is plural. Amen? He's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost all at once. And so he says, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. So here's the deal. Everybody, we're dividing the room. Everybody on this side of the room, let me hear y'all say, he's a trinity. trinity. Say it with an exclamatory from the back of the throat on three. One, two, three. He's a trinity. He is indeed. Now, those of you on this side of the room, gentlemen, Draw on your inner Sherlock. Draw on your inner Sherlock, guys. Ladies, just do what you do. Be discerning. Let me hear your line again. So, if... What do we know about us? Very good. I like how some of you are a little cautious there. You're kind of like, you know, how how deep is it? Uh, I'm a trinity? Yes! And how do you know that you're a trinity? Because he's a trinity. You're created in his image. He's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You are spirit, soul, and body. Say it again. He's a trinity. I'm a trinity. But is there a period after the word likeness? No. See, what he said was, let us make mankind in our image and in our likeness. If that's all there was, he'd have put a period there. But there's a comma. Some translations put a semicolon there. Can anyone here tell me? Anybody here good at diagramming sentences? Both of you raise your hand. I'm impressed. Uh, I never, you know. To me, it was like splitting an atom. 
to diagram a sentence was right up there with splitting an atom, uh, nuclear fission, you know. Uh, anybody else here? Well, any of you. Can you tell me what does it mean when you see a comma or a semicolon? Yeah, it means pause. It means I have stopped, but how many of you know the inference is I'm not done? How many married men do I have here? How many brothers in the struggle? Raise your hand, guys. You talk, single people, talk to any of these married men, they'll explain it to you. Just because she stopped does not mean she's done. Now, I've been married over 40 years, and I'd like you to believe that, you know, from the beginning I understood that. Clearly, I did not. I frequently, in the early years, made rookie mistakes. She would be talking and stop, and foolishly, I began to speak. And then it was made abundantly clear to me, Kim, I'm not done. And I will tell you that four decades later, I keep wondering, Is she done? I, I can't tell. Is she done? So he says, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, pause. The two most powerful words in this verse. So that. You're created in the image of God, in his likeness, so that. So that what? So that you may rule over what? The fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, over all the wild animals, over all the creatures that move along the ground. Essentially, he has given mankind the authority over all of creation. Because you see, look at me. For 25 verses, from Genesis 1-1 to verse 25, for 25 verses, all of creation, put your hand up. All of creation listened to God and God alone. But from verse 26 to today, all of creation is listening to you. That is why you speak prophetically. That is why you can speak to your mountain. That is why you can confess by his stripes, I was healed, and you'll have healing. That is why you confess, as the Lord said, I'm a lender and not a borrower. And your experience moves from being someone who is always in debt to someone who has excess and can lend. You speak prophetically. Many of us have come from a bloodline of people who all they ever spoke was lack. All they ever knew was lack. All they ever knew was a poverty mentality. We'll never make it. Eeyore! We're going under. What's going to tear up now? I knew this would happen. Oh, this figures. But how many of you know God wants you to change your mindsets? Everybody put your hand on your hip. Get kind of a sassy look, y'all. Come on. How many of y'all in these days, you have to kind of loosen that head up? I can't do it, but I've seen them really good at it. Come on, put your hand on your hip. Your hand's on your hip, that's right. Thank you. Put your hand in here. Say this to me. I've changed my mind. Romans 12 tells us, don't conform to the patterns of NBC, ABC, and CBS. Don't conform to the patterns of the women on The View. You know, I pity anybody who going through this valley of the shadow of death that our nation, that the world's going through, I pity people that all they've got to go on is either their own experience or the media. <laughs> no wonder people are troubled. No wonder people are mad. Because how many of you know the media can't tell you the truth? ABC, NBC, and CBS can't tell you the truth. You know why? They've never met him. They can't take you somewhere they've never been. They can't give you a drink of something they've never had. Don't look to them to be the light. Don't look to them to have the answers. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the light. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I mean, isn't that the big three? Come on, y'all, isn't that what everybody's looking for? The way, the truth, and the life. Is there a way? There's got to be a way. Find me a way. 
Jesus said, well, that, that would be me. Everybody wants the truth. How many of y'all have looked at somebody? How many of you looked at one of your kids? Tell me the truth. I'm sorry, that was kind of strong, was it? <laughs> Her hair went back a little bit. Her eyes got big. In fact, so did the people on both sides. Like, How many of y'all have had your mate look at you? Tell me the truth. Man, we all want the truth, don't we? Say it, I'd like the truth. Jesus said, well, that, that would be me. I'm the way, the truth. How many of you want to live? Man, have you ever seen a time when people in the world are more interested in living? You know we're serious about living if we'll wash our hands. Huh? Come on. Every time I bump fist with somebody, I just tell myself, he probably just washed his hand, no doubt. Just moments ago he washed it, I'm sure. I hope that's the residual that comes out of this whole thing is that we learn to do what our grandma told us to do for years. Wash your hands. Go in there and wash your hands. Your hands smell like smoke. Your hands smell like soap. Wash your hands. You know we want to live if we're washing hands. Well, Jesus said, oh, you want to live? It's not about salads or vitamins or activia. Y'all remember when that commercial was on like 50 times a day? Activia. Man, sometimes I just wanted to say it again. Say it again. Man, we're doing all kinds of things to be healthy. We're doing all kinds of things to be alive. Jesus said, well, that would be me. I'm the way you're looking for. I'm the truth you've been searching for. And I'm the life you want so bad. I'm all three in one. And here's the deal. He said that if you follow him, you'll have all three. Amen? See, I think something you need to ask yourself in the midst of this pandemic, and that is, who are you following? See, the shepherd said, follow me. 23rd Psalm says, the Lord is my shepherd. Put that up, brother. 23rd Psalm says, you know, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not what? Want. How many of you know, if you follow in the shepherd, you have no lack. Right? The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. That's strong right there, y'all. So you got to ask yourself today, if you got up and you were confessing lack, well, that would suggest to me you're following somebody other than the shepherd. And by deductive reasoning, how many of you know if you're not following a shepherd, you're following a sheep? See, that's the only two choices you have. You're either following a shepherd or you're following another sheep. See, that's the problem today. We got sheep talking nonstop that have no clue what they're talking about. You know, the Bible says we're fearfully and wonderfully made. Amen? Anybody here in the medical profession? If I'm not mistaken, the human body is at 206 bones. But when we're born, we have like 230 or something. Yeah. Some of y'all are like, Shazam. So where do they go? <laughs> I mean, you know, a husband changes the diaper. There's another bone in here, baby. I'm telling you, I don't know what. No. What happens is they fuse together. So that's why you actually have fewer bones once you enter into adulthood than you had when you were born. Isn't that something? Did you know that your body has 970 miles of blood vessels? Stroke your beard on that a minute. Go ahead, ladies. Stroke it by faith. Stroke your beard. <laughs> Some of them are like, I worked hard not to have a beard. I'm not about to stroke it. 970 miles of blood vessels, 206 bones. But there are sheep out there that want you to think that came from a bang. A bang. And you're like, a bang? Oh, yeah, it's a bang. Yeah, but I mean, I've got 970 miles of blood vessels. Well, it was a big bang. That's sheep talking, y'all. It's sheep that are telling you, cancel Christmas. Cancel Thanksgiving. 
Cancel everything. We're going under. How many of all sheep trace their lineage back to Eeyore? And here's the deal. You're either following the shepherd, and if you're following the shepherd, what's your experience? Three words. I like nothing. But how many of you know, if you're following sheep, can we be real here? Everybody look at me. How many of you know, if you find yourself with your nose in the rear end of a sheep, there ought to be three things that come to your mind. That ain't right. (laughs) Say it. That ain't right. But how many of you know the whole world today has got their nose up the rear end of another sheep? Following sheep. When you could be following the way, the truth, and the life. And what would your experience be? No lack. How many of you know if you got the way, the truth, and the life, you're good? Say it, I'm good. But if you're following a sheep, how many of you know sheep? are relatively dim-witted. I'm talking about the literal farm animal sheep. They don't have particularly good eyesight. They're not particularly fleet of foot. How many know they don't have razor-sharp claws? They don't have big, sharp teeth. How many know they're pretty defenseless? How many know they don't have camo? Right? How many know sheep stand out no matter where you put them? Let me tell you a word that's never been uttered in a group of sheep. Blend. They can't. They stand out in stark contrast to everything around them. And that's why they have to have a shepherd. And you know what sheep do if they hear the slightest sound they don't recognize? Run away! Anybody here ever raise sheep? We do mission works frequently with the, the Navajo people in Utah. They're sheep herders, two, 3,000 sheep at a time. You could have 2,000 sheep, and there's like five on the edge right here who see a predator. You know what they do? Run. And when those five run, the other 4,995 run too. So now you got 5,000 sheep running. Only five of them know why. But 4,995 of them are running just like the five. Why are you running? Well, I don't know, because you are. Seriously, that is the world today. Wave your hand and say, I know that's right. Yes. So don't follow sheep. They don't know. How about Hollywood sticking their head out of a hole, trying to break it down for the rest of us? I just got out of my seventh trip of rehab and my fourth divorce is final, but I'm ready to tell y'all how to vote. (laughs) Whoever is responsible for that needs a raise. That's right. Right now, whatever they pay you, you should get double, I'm telling you. I mean, how many of y'all want to follow that? Get that image, right? That's so powerful. I'm so thrilled you did that. That's what many people are following. They heard another sheep say it, and so they think it's true. There's no God. How do you know that? Well, I've heard other sheep say it. There's no such thing as creation. It's evolution. Where'd you get that idea? Huh? Some sheep. Him? Keep it up there, brother. Don't take that down. Who told you that your family has a genetic history that will probably affect your life? Him? How many know Jesus said, I come to break the curse of sin and death? That's the way, the truth, and the life, y'all. You follow him, you like nothing. How many of you know throughout history, hey, from Genesis chapter 2 when God actually made Adam, Put up Genesis 2, verse 16, brother. When God made Adam, Genesis chapter 2, verse 16. Start with verse 15, in fact. Sorry. He didn't know I was going to do this, but he's pretty good on the fly. 
Y'all wave back out there at him and say, you good, man. It says, then God took the man and put him in the garden to work it and to take care of it. Verse 16. And then the Lord commanded the man. I taught on this here a couple of years ago. You are free to eat from any tree in the garden. What does the word any mean? Any. Uh, Do we need to convene some kind of a committee to decide what any means? No. Do we need pie charts and graphs? Do we need a syllabus? A workbook? No. Any means any. So God told Adam, everybody look at me. God told Adam, you're free to eat from any tree in the garden. How many of you know that included the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? They later exercised that freedom. Now he told them, look at the next verse. But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for if you eat of it, what will happen? Yes, but they were free to eat from it. I've had people ask me, why would God put a tree in there he knew it would kill them? Well, it's simple. Choice. Everybody look at me. You may not have had a color TV when you grew up. Your parents may not have given you a car when you turned 16. You may not have got an allowance. You may have had to share a bedroom with your siblings. There may be a lot of things you never had growing up. Let me tell you what you've always had. A choice. You know what the choice comes down to? It's not complicated. It's just two words. It's the two words that God is the Lord of. Life or death. In the beginning, the first thing he said. Everybody say the first thing. The first thing a human ear ever heard was the command from God. You are free. Put it up there again, brother. Verse 16. Everybody say it. The first thing. How many of everybody today wants to be free? Don't they? How many of y'all remember when you couldn't wait to get out of your parents' house? I don't think they're looking. You can go ahead and raise your hand. It's, it's, it's all right. Some of y'all are like, oh, that's bad. Is, is mom in here? <laughs> Man, I couldn't wait to get out of my parents' house. To be honest with you, I couldn't wait to get out of their house because from what I could see, the only reason they were there was to keep me from having fun. Only real role I could see that they had in my life was to keep me from having fun. And I wanted to have fun. I wanted to be free. You're not the boss of me. I'm free. How many of you know freedom is a huge responsibility? Why? Because whatever you choose, that's what you're going to get. And from day one, all of mankind has been free to choose. And what's your choice come down to? Two words. Throughout the Old Testament, God called Israel many times and said, I've called heaven and earth as a witness that I've set before you a choice. What was it? How many of you know on judgment day, all of mankind, every individual is going to stand before the throne of God and you'll give an account and it'll be over two words. What are they? Anything anyone else tells you is a sheep talking. Let me tell you, in what we're facing right now, the challenges we're facing to our finances, to our health, to our country, to our freedoms, you better be following the shepherd. And if you've had your nose up a sheep's rear end, you need to say, today that stops. I'm not going to listen to other sheep. Sheep don't know. Amen? They don't know. All they can tell you is it's bad. I mean, that's their only response. They go back to who? Eeyore. Come on, y'all. I was pitching underhanded then. Who do they go back to? So today, say it. I speak prophetically. Every time I open my mouth. See, you're created in the image of God. He released His authority. How? And remember, Genesis 1.26 said, now He's given that authority to us. So how do we release that authority? 
So guard your mouth. King David said, put a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Because he wanted to be sure that the confessions of his mouth were pleasing to God. How do you change? How do you get out of the habit of constantly confessing negative stuff? We're going under. We'll never make it. I knew this would happen. It's simple. How many of you know before you can change how you talk, you've got to change how you think? Put your hand on your hip again. Say it. I've changed my mind. Everybody over here, let me hear you all say that. I've changed my mind. Middle section. Over there. Sound booth. Y'all knew it was coming, didn't you? Everyone in the back there, at some point he's going to ask us. I'm telling you, we need to watch here. Everybody in the room say, I've changed my mind. How do you change your mind? Through the word. And do you just do that once and you got it? Do they hand out, I've changed, look, I got my change my mind pen. Do you get a badge? Here's Timmy. He's changed his mind. Y'all give him a hand. How many of you know changing your mind is a daily process? How many of you know just because your mind was changed yesterday don't mean it is today? Hey, how many of you know just because your mind was changed an hour ago don't mean it is now? That's why Paul said, I cast down the vain imaginations. See, what many people are speaking today are nothing more than vain imaginations. It's sheep talking. Paul said, I cast that down. He said, I tear down all the strongholds. Everybody look me in the eye. It's part of the price Jesus paid at Calvary was to break the strongholds in your life. To break the strongholds that have followed your family. To break the strongholds that your mom and dad spoke over you. To break the strongholds their mom and dad spoke over them. Many of you may think, you know, my dad was an alcoholic. His dad was an alcoholic. That's all I'll ever be. You know, daddy died of a heart attack. His daddy died of a heart attack. I'll probably have one. Guard your mouth. Jesus came to break that. He came that you could have three things. What are they? The way, the truth, and the life. Anything less? You're following a sheep. Bow your heads, close your eyes. That 23rd Psalm says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. What are green pastures? Well, for a sheep or any herbivore, a pasture is life. It's everything. And that's what it is for you and I too. When you read that, he makes me lie down in green pastures. What God is saying is, I will provide for you everything. Everything that you need. And check this out, much of what you desire. God doesn't give us everything we desire, and I'm so thankful. I'm thankful for the times he shut doors in my life. In fact, I've seen the love of God maybe more strong in the doors he's shut than the ones he's opened. But I can lie down in green pastures. He restoreth my soul. He allows me to be by still waters. Did you know that sheep won't drink from a running stream? That's why shepherds of the olden days right down to shepherds today, if they're moving their sheep and they come to a fast-moving stream, they got to dam it up so that the waters will be still for the sheep to drink. They can die of thirst looking at water if it's running fast. But that verse is telling us, I lack nothing. I lay down. How many of you know you can't get a sheep to lay down if he's afraid? If you've been listening to sheep, that's why you have fear in your life right now. But if you listen to God, you can lay down and rest in the midst of COVID-19. You can lay down and rest in the midst of this has been canceled, that has been canceled. Because you can know this, his arm isn't short. His arm is not short. The righteous aren't forsaken. Their seed don't go begging for bread. Don't you listen to the sheep. God said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. My arm is not short. Try me and see if I will not pour out a blessing upon you that you cannot contain. But you better decide today and quick and discern and determine I'm going to listen and follow only the shepherd because I want to have life. I want to know the way and I want to know the truth. I want to be able to lie down by still waters. I want to have him prepare a table for me in the midst of my enemies. And I'll walk through the valley of the shadow of death 
and I fear no evil because I know whom I'm following. I know who I belong to. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I just said something that's important. And I want you to ask yourself, who do I belong to? Who do you belong to? Who have you sworn your allegiance to? Who are you following? Are you a disciple of Jesus? What does that mean? It means you earnestly desire to think like him, talk like him, act like him, do what he does. Or have allowed you, have you allowed yourself to be dissuaded and distracted? And you're marching with the masses, all the Eeyores of the world. Who do you belong to? The only way you can say you belong to him is if at some point in your life you stopped everything and said, okay, I admit it. I'm a sinner. I admit it. My life is broken and I can't fix it. And so, Father, I ask you to come into my heart. I want your son to be my savior. I want to be forgiven of my sins. If you've never done that, then I can tell you straight up, you don't belong to him. You belong to all the sheep in the world. But here's the cool deal. If you want to belong to him, you don't need a password. You don't need to fill out any forms. There's no lines to stand in. Apostle Paul said it's real simple. You just need to believe in your heart and then confess with your mouth and you'll be changed from the inside and out. And so it's my wonderful privilege right now with every head bowed and every eye closed. There may be someone here or several someones here and you're ready to be honest with yourself about who you belong to. And you're ready to say, I want to give my heart to Jesus. I want to give my life to Jesus. Without reservation, I want to give my past and my future to Jesus. If you've never done that, today's your day. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to make you come to the front. I'm not going to make you stand up. I'm going to just pray with you right where you're seated. But if you're here today and you're ready to say, I want to belong to him. I want to give him my life. Won't you do something simple? Just wherever you're seated. Just raise your hand where I can see it. Do it quickly. Just where I can see it. Just momentarily where I can see it. Raise your hand. Do it right now. I'm only going to wait a minute because this isn't a mystery. You know who you belong to. If it isn't him, raise your hand. Do it right now. Well, that tells me you were the perfect audience for what I ministered on today. You all have met the truth. You all know the way. And have experienced the life. And here's my encouragement. Don't look to the left or the right. Don't incline your ear to the sheep. Follow the shepherd. Father, I just speak the blessings of your promises over the life of every family represented here. Father, I just speak the blessing and the peace and the love of God to every home here who is facing hardship or tragedy. To the precious wife who lost her husband this morning. Show yourself strong as the way, the truth, and eternal life to her. Father, for the countless people over this nation who've lost loved ones to this COVID pandemic. Father, show yourself strong. I thank you, O oh God, that no one can cancel the love of God. No one can cancel the forgiveness of God. The hope and the life of God. And that's why we're here today to revel in it. That's why we're here today to rejoice in it. That's why we're here today to worship you in it. Everybody in the room, raise both hands. Thank him today for loving you. Thank him he's made a way for you when you couldn't make one for yourself. Thank him that 2021 is going to be the greatest year you've ever had. That in spite of what you've experienced in 2020, your finances are going to be blessed. Your business is going to be blessed. Your family is going to be blessed. Your, your home is going to be blessed. Your body is going to be blessed. Your marriage is going to be blessed. Your children are going to be blessed. Because you're going to speak the oracles of God over there. You will speak prophetically. You'll speak to your mountains for once. You won't tolerate it in your life any longer. Move in the name of Jesus. Let this be the season. Let this be the year that the mountains are finally moved in your life. 
But you don't have to go around anything else or try to climb. You can speak to it and it moves. As Jesus said, Father, take these truths today. Sow it in the hearts of your people in such a way it cannot be robbed from them. I pray it in the name of Jesus. Everybody say, it is done. In my life. In Jesus' name. I said something earlier that's so true. It's such a privilege. Every time your pastor invites me to come. I want to say thank you to you and to thank you to Pastor Mitch. You partner with us. You help us. You support us. Help and support has never been so real in my life as this year. I've been in ministry 42 years, 32 years of travel ministry. But just speaking freely with you, I only have income if I have a place to minister. And this year, we're in the 52nd week. This year I had 16 weeks of cancellation. Four months. If you had told me that I could go four months without an opportunity to have income, I didn't think I could go one week. And in the natural, I couldn't. But you see, I know the way. I've met the truth. And it boggles my mind how he'll go from the north. From the south, from the west, from the east, and blow provision to our family. I don't know how he's done it. I can't tell you the times, countless times, I pull out of the driveway of our post office, slobber knocking, crying, because again, God has moved on someone's heart. Frequently, people I literally have never met. I had someone call me the other day that I haven't seen in 43 years. We both agreed the last time we saw each other, we were high. And we know that because every time we were together, we were high. And he said, someone told me you were a preacher. And he said, I could not believe it. He told me on the phone, he said, I'll tell you what, man, if God will forgive you, he'll forgive anybody. But he said, I got saved about 10 years ago and somebody told me you were a preacher. He said, and they, I went to YouTube and found you. He said, you know what? My wife and I have been listening. He said, I've listened to you preach about 30 sermons from all over America, but I still don't know where you are. He said, I didn't know how to reach you. I finally called one of the churches and told him we were best buds. And they gave me your cell phone. And he said, man, I know what you were like before. But he said, now I've seen the way you are now. And he said, that's why I'm following him too. But he said, you've made such a deposit in my life. I want to sow into yours. 43 years. I still haven't seen him. But that's how God works. When the Lord called me into ministry 42 years ago, here's what he said to me. He said, don't ever tell him what you think. Tell him what I said. I have endeavored to do that every time I've ever come here. Is to be careful to tell you what he said. He said, Kim, here's the deal. You tell them what I said, I'll speak to them and they will bless you. Because the Lord told me years ago, he said, I will never write you a check. He said, I'll never give you a $100 bill. He said, you know what? He said, that's what my people are for. How many know they don't print money in heaven? Let's go with 50s and 100s only, Gabriel. You print them, print them, print them. Anybody that's in ministry, any of you here that trust God, you know this. Everybody do this. He shakes it loose where it already is. That's how the windows of heaven are opened. God still uses people to accomplish his will. So all I'm asking today is all I've asked now for about 25 years that I've been coming here. And that is, put your hand up. When he speaks to you, if he hasn't already, he's going to. All I'm asking, do what he tells you.